Are you paying more than you should for things that don't really bring you peace? Struggling to meet your financial goals? We can help. Hi, I'm Diane Freeby of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, inviting you to learn how making little changes to daily spending habits can make a big difference. Schedule a free financial checkup today at NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. That's NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's time for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish football fix. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Ladies and gentlemen. Chuck Freeby and Angelo DiCarlo. We have reached October, and for Notre Dame football in 2023, believe it or not, we're at the midway point of the season. The Irish are 5-1, and one, ranked number 10 in the country after a wild two weeks that saw them lose in the final minute to Ohio State, then win in the final minute at Duke. And now two more weeks of ranked opponents in games that will be played in prime time. This week, the Irish travel to undefeated Louisville Saturday, and then USC comes to town October 14th. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank, does matter. I'm Chuck Freeby. And I'm Angel DiCarlo. Later in the show, we'll break down the matchup with number 25 Louisville, which defeated NC State Friday night to improve to 5-0 and on the season. Next segment, an absolute must-listen conversation with Notre Dame basketball great LaFonso Ellis, who speaks for the first time since the passing of his daughter Alexis and how his faith continues to remain strong despite the tragedy he and his family have been going through. This segment will discuss how many wins we now think the Irish will end the season with, and if you think Notre Dame has a better shot at 11 wins or 9 wins. But Chuck, let's start with Notre Dame on the road at Duke, blowing a 13-0 lead, trailing 14-13 in the final minutes, only to get that touchdown with 31 seconds left on Audric Estime escaping, and Notre Dame escapes with a 21-14 win on the road. A game that honestly should not have been as close as what it was. The Irish left a lot of opportunities and a lot of points on the board, in my opinion, the first two and a half quarters. Give Duke credit. You let a team hang around. They're going to take advantage of opportunities. Riley Leonard is a solid quarterback. He brought them back. Their defense kept them in the game. They take that lead. It looks like they're going to finally get their signature win and a great win for Mike Elko. And then give Notre Dame credit because Sam Hartman overcoming adversity in that final drive, including an illegal procedure penalty to start (laughs) things off, so they wind up starting at their own three, an offensive pass interference penalty that set up a first and 25, but they are able to convert a third and 10 and a fourth and 16 along the way to the drive. Then confusion, which was explained today as the Irish bench trying to inform Sam Hartman we're trying to center up the ball for the field goal, and Audric Estime says, we don't need no stinking field goals around here. I'm taking it to the end zone for six, and the Irish come back and win. Lots of problems, lots of positives, but I think in this situation, you take the win, you get out of town, but man, there's a lot to fix on this team. Sam Hartman was only 15 of 30 for 222 yards No touchdowns, no interceptions. He was sacked twice. But this this ending was the reason why you bring Sam Hartman to Notre Dame. Absolutely. That that was where he showed why he's a difference maker. They they were down by from the start of the year, four of their 
I wouldn't say starting, but rotational wide receivers. Two more going down, not able to play, and Jaden Greathouse and Jaden Thomas, who are expected back this week, Marcus Freeman said on Monday in his press conference. So that is the good news on that end. But you didn't have options for Sam Hartman at wide receiver. Tobias Merriweather continues to underperform. In fact, as you mentioned, both of those penalties we're on Tobias Merriweather on that final drive. So he's holding him back there. I know he's doing a good job in terms of blocking, but not in terms of uh, the receiving. And Mitchell Evans has been the go-to guy. But Hartman, I tweeted it with eight minutes left. I'm like, this next drive after Duke had taken the lead is why you bring him here. It didn't happen then. They went three and out. Um, but at the end, he's able to do it. He's able to find his man, Mitchell Evans, and then had to make that tough decision on fourth and sixteen. He had all the time in the world, nobody getting open, and he's like, I'm just going to go. And Marcus Freeman says, hey, I'm going to give a lot of credit to to what happened last week against Ohio State as a reason why. But Notre Dame engineering that two-minute drill has been a massive positive for this team all year, and now it happened when it really counted. Right. We saw it in the first half of games, in games where it was like Tennessee State, Central Michigan. Okay, that's nice. You can do it then. But to be able to do it, A, on the road, B, in the clutch, uh, what a testament to this team. And after the game, Mitchell Evans, Marcus Freeman, and Sam Hartman all talked about that two-minute drill and why the Irish won this game. We've executed, I think, pretty much every two-minute drill that we've had this season. Um, and we practice it a lot. We do it every Wednesday. And our two-minute mentality is like we feel like we, we can execute whatever we have to, whatever look comes at us because they were, you know, throwing everything at us there at the last second. But, you know, we didn't panic. We didn't flinch. We weren't scared. We didn't back down. You know, Sam ran what was like fourth and 16, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sick. Do what we had to to get a get them first down. So, yeah. When, when Sam Hartman's your quarterback, you, you have a lot of faith, right? And, and he's been in those moments. He's not a first-time quarterback. He, it, the moment wasn't too big for him. And, and you know, I, I don't want to just give credit to one person, but, he, you know, the plays he made – on that series were huge. The, the, the ability to say, pull that ball down and run for it, I truly believe in my heart, he learned from last week on the fourth and one. When we thought we got it and we didn't, and there, there can't be a maybe in that situation. So I don't care if it's fourth and one or fourth and 18, if you're gonna take off, you have to make sure we get the first down and that's what he did. I just feel so grateful for this team, right? We battled all, all night and like, I mean, the defense, man. I coached Golden. I just want to, you know, buy him a Ferrari or something if I could. Because, um, I mean, he just he kept us in this game, and that defense just played their hearts out and gave us that chance. And obviously, the last play of the game to get the stop. And um, just surreal. So proud. I mean, these, game, these games aren't easy to win to go on the road against a really tough ACC opponent. Just super, super happy and super happy to go home with the dub. Hartman wanted by defensive coordinator Al Golden a Ferrari or something. I, the key is what would be the something that he would buy? Would it just be like a Snickers bar or something, perhaps? Would that quantif- Would that qualify as the something? I hope he got him something, though, at the very least. Uh, I think Sam can afford it with the NIL <laughs> money that's coming in. Maybe, Certainly the Snickers bar. Yeah. Maybe the Ferrari as well. Something free from Dollar Shave Club. I don't know, but <laughs> whatever the case may be, uh, Sam Hartman cementing himself once again into the hearts of Irish fans with his execution on that two-minute drill, helps you overlook not necessarily problems Hartman had because I didn't think he necessarily played well. Uh, We'll get into this a little bit in what needs fixing, but, man, this wide receiving core has to get better. 
It does. And but Hartman giving the credit to the defense yeah. over the top, maybe that's what Sam Hartman does, right? He deflects praise for himself and, and praises others immediately. But this defense does deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, they gave up two touchdowns late in the game at the end of the third quarter or early fourth quarter. But they had to be so gassed, Chuck. I mean, the offense could not stay on the field. So they were constantly, the defense was constantly on the field. And Howard Cross, incredible game. 13 tackles, one sacks, three and a half tackles for loss, two forced fumbles. I mean, and he had a sinus infection, by the way. So what an effort from him to really lead that Notre Dame defense. And when it mattered the most, they bend and don't break and put Duke in that awkward position. Do you go for it on fourth and six or or do you do the pooch punt from the Notre Dame 33? They decide to do the pooch punt. And it, you can't say it was a bad decision because Notre Dame started at their own five-yard line. Right. And after the penalty, they started really at their two and a half. They went 97.5 yards for the touchdown. The defense really coming through for the Irish. And in the last two games, they've only given up 31 points to two teams ranked in the top 20. Well, actually, if you look at their defensive numbers, their red zone numbers have been absolutely incredible this year where they have only given up seven touchdowns as the opponents make 20 appearances into the red zone. And this was for a team that rolled out the welcome map for teams in the red zone last season. So what a job Al Golden and his staff have done in that area, holding your opponents to under 20. In college football, if you hold your opponent to under 20, you should win the football game. And Notre Dame really should be sitting there at 6-0 right now. We all know why that's not the case. But the fact that the defense held in there again when they weren't getting a whole lot of help from the offense. What a great job Al Golden has done in his second year, and it makes you wonder how much longer he's going to be around at Notre Dame because if he's turning in these kind of performances, I have to think schools are going to come at him for head coaching vacancies. Notre Dame was the better team in this game, was the better team against Ohio State. They deserved to beat Ohio State, and they let them off the hook, and they had a horrible last minute. Everything that had to go wrong did go wrong, and they lost. They deserved to lose this game against Duke. Everything had to go right in the final minute for them to win, and it did. I still think they were the better team in both games, but I think they actually deserved to lose this one with the way they let Duke hang around. They're kind of maybe maybe it's appropriate that they split the difference and go one and one in these two games. Even though, if they're if they would just do the little things a little bit better, this team could be undefeated right now. I will be curious this week when Jared Parker meets the media mm. to have him explain his usage of the running backs in this game. It seemed, and it's perhaps ironic that. Audric Estime scores on the same play, basically, that they were running all game long and didn't get to pop. They finally get it to pop in the last 30 seconds of the game. I thought we saw very little of Jeremiah Love. Outside of the fake punt, but right. in terms of being a running back, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't a factor at all. And we saw a couple of Jabron Payne sightings. I think Jadarian Price was in there for a pass play or two. Uh, glimpses of Devin Ford. And I understand some of it might have been reaction to, okay, everybody said we didn't use Estime enough against Ohio State. Now we have to use him. Part of it, too, Ange, might have been the fact that 
with only three receivers going in this game, uh, basically Tyree, Merriweather, and Flores, you needed a little bit better pass protection in order to give receivers a chance to break open, and that's where Audric Estime would shine. I'm wondering if that's the case because even with Estime in there, the pressure was coming at Hartman a lot. I mentioned he got sacked two times, but Jeremiah Love had five carries for 44 yards. It wasn't like he wasn't effective in his opportunities. Now, granted, one of those was... Was was the thirty four year punt. was the fake punt? So yeah, that doesn't really count. So really, he had four carries for ten yards, right? Um, in there, and Payne had three carries for eleven yards. Price never ended up running the ball. I forgot when as as I was looking at it until I said it that uh, the fake punt would be considered a run. So, you know, I we saw him against Ohio State from the press box, and we're turning to each other, go, you got to get this guy the ball more. And at least they utilized him in a big way with that fake punt that set up. Notre Dame's only score until the final minute of the game, or their only touchdown until the final minute of the game. So I, I thought that was that was real interesting. But you know, one of the things that has really bailed Sam Hartman out has been Mitchell Evans. Yeah, and if we're going to hand out kudos for the two-minute drill and the defense, you better hand out a third-game ball to Mitchell Evans because he was spectacular in this one. Six catches, 134 yards, the first 100-yard receiving game of his career. You know, Michael Mayer never had a 134-yard receiving game. And here's Mitchell Evans making plays all over the field. So tight end you, living up to his name. Remember, a week ago we told you that it was during the bowl prep that Marcus Freeman really started to see Mitchell Evans come out of his shell and start to shine for this team and thought he could be big time. The last two weeks, it's looked a little bit like the 2022 offense, unfortunately, because that offense wasn't highly productive, but very tight end dependent, and Evans is a great security blanket for Hartman. And here's one other stat for Sam Hartman. He has now gone 145 pass attempts to open the season without an interception. That is the best streak to start a season in Notre Dame history, the fourth best overall at any point in the year. Jimmy Clausen. Brady Quinn, uh, and Ian Book actually has the record at 266 attempts without an interception. But that's been very clean for a guy who came in as his one negative was throwing interceptions. Hartman still hasn't through six games. Well, Notre Dame wins the turnover battle in this game, which you don't do often against a Mike Elko coach team. I mean, Mike Elko has been very big on ball security since he got down to Duke and last week even commented about how Riley Leonard gets that. I thought the Irish did a pretty good job of confusing Leonard at times with Al Golden's defenses and disguising coverages. That's one of the reasons Xavier Watts got his interception. And then, of course, the pressure that they were able to put on Leonard at the end of the game. And we certainly hope Riley Leonard's okay. Mike Elko has his presser coming up on Tuesday, I believe, and we'll probably get a bigger update about Riley Leonard then. They did say high ankle sprain, so that's not a great thing, but it's not a break. Right. So there's a opportunity to come back. The question just is how long it will take before. And of course, because he's a mobile quarterback, right? You're really you're really limiting him if depending on when he comes back and what he's able to do. And for Notre Dame fans, you, you want him back pretty quickly uh, because you want Duke to have a good season sure. so that this 
this hangs as a, as a big victory for, for the Irish. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union is the financial institution of choice for hundreds of churches and schools. Link your Elevate credit or debit card and your nonprofits earn 1% cash back. Go to NotreDameFCU.com slash Elevate to learn more. All right, we talked about a lot of the positives. Um, I think we need to talk about some of these negatives. And clearly the wide receiver play, again, I mentioned getting Thomas and, and Great House back this week is the expectation. That's huge. But, boy, did like you said, it kind of looked like 2022 all over again. Hartman had no options. They don't get any separation. And this was the concern about this wide receiving core ever since fall practice. The practices that we were able to watch, they were now covered by the defensive backs. At that point, you had to sit there and say, well, is it because Notre Dame's secondary is so good, which it is, or is it because these backs can't get separation? Well, it's both. Yes. Notre Dame's secondary is really good, and Notre Dame's wide receivers can't get a lick of separation, and that doesn't bode well for your passing game. God, God bless Sam Hartman. The fact that he has not thrown an interception with this crew is absolutely amazing. Here's the, the the biggest negative, in my opinion, continues to be the penalties. 12 penalties in this game for 70 yards. I don't think there's any way you can say this is a disciplined football team anymore because half their games, they've had over 10 penalties in them. So that's a major problem. You can nitpick individual plays here and there yep. and say, that shouldn't have been called. The refs you know, hung you out to dry on this one or that one. But overall, they had 12 penalties. That's on them most of the time, and most of them were procedural before the plays. This is stuff that can't happen. This is a reason why Duke hung around in the game were these penalties, and it almost cost you the game. And to his credit, Marcus Freeman took the blame for that at his press conference on Monday, saying we haven't prepared our teams well enough if they're making these kind of mistakes. Yes, the crowd was out of its mind. Yes, it was loud. They knew that was going to happen, and yet... They weren't prepared for it anyway. So was there clapping by the Duke defense? Was there some sort of barking to simulate snap counts? Maybe. There could have been. They're not the first team to do that. No, it shouldn't you matter. Know, it should not matter with a veteran offensive line. So there are problems there. They have to be repaired, and they've needed repair for quite some time. You know, Marcus Freeman says we have a plan, I don't know if that plan changes from week to week because the plan they've used the last couple of weeks to fix penalties obviously hasn't worked. Yeah, the other major problem that, that Freeman took credit for was Chris Diary's attempted punt return said, uh, I need to shut up, Freeman referring to himself because he said he got on Tyree uh, on the punt attempt before that where Tyree did a fair catch, said he wanted him to be more aggressive. Ooh, Chris was very aggressive on that one and almost cost the Irish in a major way. They got lucky uh, on that play, and that can't happen either. Um, and, and Spencer Schrader, two of three on field goals. He missed a chip shot. Wasn't horrible, but doesn't leave you um, confident that if they had to attempt that field goal at the end of the game, that he would definitely make it. You just don't know. Well, let's get into that a little bit, too, because the head coach says after the game, and, and <laughs> somewhat doubled down on it today. I thought he reversed himself conference. today. He didn't exactly reverse himself. He went on to say that the analytics – tell you that it would be better for Estime to go down at the one-yard line on that play and then kick the field goal. And I will grant you an 18-yard field goal should be a chip shot, but we've all watched enough football to know that a snap, a hold, and a kick can all go wrong at some point in time, and especially in a fervid atmosphere like that down there at Duke. So to me, if you're running back 
and you're behind by one. It's not like you're up by one and trying to run out the clock. You are behind by one. You need points. You got the maximum out of that possession. You got a touchdown, a two-point conversion, and you put them with their backs against the wall having to go 75 yards with 31 seconds. I'm sorry. I'll take the touchdown every darn time in that situation. Up by one, absolutely take the knee. Yes. But in this situation, never, unless you got unless you have Justin Tucker as your kicker. There's no way. It's an NFL move. It's not a college, certainly not a high school move. And, and that's the thing. All right, let's move on because we're running out of time here in this segment. How many games will Notre Dame win in the regular season? Our weekly poll, I was stunned by these results. It appears our our voters are actually more confident in this team coming out of this Duke game than they were going into it. Now up to 46% say 10 wins, 41% say 11 wins. 11 wins is up by 4%, 10 wins is up by 7%. This kind of surprised me, Chuck. It doesn't because they're looking at the rest of the schedule. And they're looking at maybe USC giving up all the points to Colorado and saying they're beatable? Is that what it is? I think That could be, although I will remind fans that Nerdame will go into that game coming off seven consecutive games in a row, coming off three straight night games where they get back to campus at 3.30 in the morning. Oh, and by the way, they have midterms the week before USC. I really think if they pull off a win over USC this year, that's a massive testament to the support staff that Marcus Freeman has who keeps these players healthy. More likely at this point, in your opinion, 11 wins or 9 wins? Oh, I think more likely 11. Really? I would say 9 at this point. Okay. I think there's a better chance they lose two more games than they run the table. Losing to USC and Clemson, obviously the yeah, largest. I mean, or they or, or they lose this week. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Oh no, it's I don't. Not. I don't think they will. But they easily almost. I mean, they almost lost to Duke, right? I mean, well, I so, know what I was watching forty-eight hours ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it so wouldn't. it's not out of the realm of possibility. But yeah, I would say you. I say there's a better chance they lose to both USC and Clemson than they beat both USC and Clemson, in my opinion. And I think what you said is the reason they needed a bye week. They needed this week to be a bye week. But by the way, um, could Notre, have been. Notre Dame and Louisville both have the bye in two weeks. They could have been this week, but ACC made sure Notre Dame was was running a little uh, on fumes, on fumes here in these two weeks and and didn't give it to them. So, yeah, no, I think I think it'll be interesting to see what happens here in the next two weeks. I, I think they're going to be running on fumes. As much as they were running on fumes against Duke, this is going to get exasperated that much more here against Louisville and against USC. This will be their fourth straight game against a ranked opponent. Believe it or not, their seventh straight game against an undefeated opponent, AP Poll this week, Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Ohio State 4, Florida State 5. The Irish check in at 10, one spot behind USC, one spot ahead of Bama. Duke is now 19th, and Louisville cracks the top 25 at number 25. Coming up, we'll dive into the battle with Louisville, former Purdue coach Jeff Brom. And up next, it's the Focus on Faith segment. Notre Dame basketball great LaFonso Ellis joins on. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish football fix continues after this. 
Founded in 2001 by brothers Sam and Levi, Reliance has built a reputation for excellence, providing high-quality home building and renovation services to the Michiana area. From single-room renovations like kitchens and bathrooms to building your dream home from the ground up, everything benefits from their decades of experience. From concept to completion, Reliance makes even the largest projects simple and hassle-free. To find out more, visit ReliancedBR.net. Reliance. Design. Build. Renovate. Welcome to the St. Vincent de Paul Society. From providing food and clothing to assisting with bills and offering support, we're here to lend a helping hand during times of crisis. But we can't do it alone. We need your generosity to keep our mission alive. Call us at 574-234-6000 or visit svdpsb.org to learn more about how you can help. The St. Vincent de Paul Society. Together, we can bring hope to those in need. Welcome back here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. It's time now for our Focus on Faith interview with Notre Dame basketball great Lafonso Ellis. He entered the ring of honor, started at Notre Dame from 1988 to 1992. Fifth overall pick to the Denver Nuggets in 92, played in the NBA for 11 seasons, has become one of the nation's premier college basketball analysts and worked at ESPN for the last 14 years. Anyone that has met Lafonso Ellis has witnessed he is as nice of an individual as our gets. He has a incredible faith, an incredible faith, one that developed greatly while he was in the NBA, as he shares here coming up. Has a great family, wife Jen, four kids. Life has not been easy, though, the last few months for the Ellis family. In late June, Lafonso was among the many cuts ESPN made, and then the very next day, his daughter Alexis died unexpectedly at the age of 31. We are amazed that Lafonso was willing to talk about things just a few months removed, but as you will hear from our conversation, any chance he has to spread the love of God, he wants to do it. Here's Focus on Faith with Lafonso Ellis. All right, Fonz, thank you so much for being with us. Mm. I want to start with this. What made you say yes to this interview after what has to be, I don't even know how to describe how difficult the last few months must be in your life. Well, I've long, known you for a long time, first and foremost, Ange. <laughs> to say no to my buddy Ange is, would, would have been very difficult. And... um. You know, through loss, I, I have a simple saying always is the, and, and, and it's biblical, is that the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, but praise be the name of the Lord. And so um, it's been, in my life, it's been easy to thank him and praise him when everything is going positive and in, in the direction that you want it to go. But it takes the next level of growth and that by the spirit to be able to praise him when you've had significant loss and the opportunity to be able to come and chat with you with all of that aside, always fun. And it's in that context that I'm here. June 30th, ESPN does its layoffs and unfortunately you're one of them. Sure. How, how difficult was that day being that? You know, and I'm not trying to blow no smoke. You know how much I love mm, you and appreciate, appreciate what you do. It. I think you're one of the best analysts in America. Thank you. In college basketball and really any profession. Mm. How how difficult it w- was that to receive that news after after your great tenure there? Yeah, we were. Sh- <laughs> I'm speaking for my wife and me, Jennifer. We were shocked uh, by the call that came in around 9:50 a.m. on June 30th, and 
uh, I could sense that uh, my boss had a little quiver to his voice. And uh, so he shared that news with me and I thanked him and uh, all involved for the 14 years that I'd worked there. Very grateful to have been there for such a long period of time. And the Lord, by his grace, allowed me to be able to ascend to being one of the top three college basketball analysts uh, at our company, uh, along with Jay Billis and Seth Greenberg, who were awesome to work with. Yeah, so shocking uh, initially, um, and, and while at the same time feeling a great sense of gratitude for having worked there for 14 years. Day later comes a much more difficult phone call. Mm. You find out your daughter, Alexis, of 31 years old. Yeah. has passed away. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what to ask. Fonz, mm. take me through the emotions of, of, of being a dad who loses her daughter so unexpectedly like that. Yeah, it's the phone call from the detective, you know, with so many bogus calls and emails and all of that these days. I thought it was just, uh, you know, a prank or a uh, you know, false solicitor of information, so I didn't respond right away. And uh, then I got to my voicemail to hear that it was legit, so I called him back right away. And uh, he said in so many words that, uh, Mr. Ellis, I have some difficult news to deliver to you. Um, we found that your daughter had passed away uh, in her sleep. And this kind of chill comes over your entire body that you can't quite comprehend because you're, you're kind of stunned, shocked, and don't quite know how to respond in that moment. Um, but then I, I thanked him for um, his efforts because he went up to the room and did a sweep to make sure that um, there was no um, harm to her from without and did another sweep, obviously, to find out if uh, there was any self-harm and there wasn't. We were very grateful for both of them, but uh, to lose a child is just unimaginable. And at 31 years of age and your brain just starts to run through all of the pictures of all of the great moments uh, that you had from the time that she was uh, born <laughs> and me seeing her come down to shoot and yelling at Jennifer, she's got a, oh, well, I didn't know it was a she at the time, but it's got hair. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, she, she, she and I enjoyed holding each other's hands and through the teenage years, I used to say to her all the time, yeah, you become a little young adult and a little woman and you won't want to hold your dad's hands anymore. And she's, that was, she was like, dad, that'll never happen. And she was very right. <laughs> that never happened. And so, um, it's a, it was a hard thing to receive and to be able to process and wondering what to do at that moment. And then, um, obviously talking with the coroner's office and it's, it, it was a, it was a very challenging less than 30 hours. And, um, but obviously the latter news was way more sure incomparably different, different, difficult, um, to comprehend, uh, losing a job is one thing, but it, it doesn't compare to losing a child. Does, does that test your faith at all? It, it 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 does to the extent that you know I'm not a new believer anymore. I'm, I'm 53 years of age, and uh, you you deal with this this duality of emotions. Uh, you, you, on one side, you feel the great pain of the loss, 
but on the other side, I, I feel great. I felt great joy uh, that the Lord gave me 31 years uh, with her. Uh, she was born with no complications. My wife didn't have any complications delivering her. Uh, she was a brilliant gal, uh, fun, <laughs> uh, thought outside of the box, great to be around and be with. Um, so I, I felt those two emotions at the same time. I, I, I told one of my buddies in the uh, uh, days after that, is if you can imagine kind of a knife down the center part of your spine that you kind of get used to feeling it being there and it's just there. But when you turn a certain way is when you can start to feel it. That's that's how that has been and continues to be while at the same time. So grateful that the Lord allowed us to be able to be her parents uh, for, for 31 years. And so uh, if I'm going to trust him with the good times, I also have to trust him with the uh, tough times as well, and just reminded that my wife, my children, aren't mine, they're his, and uh, I'm a steward uh, over them as a husband and as a dad, and he determines their days and not me, and uh, that gives me great peace, uh, because uh, obviously uh, I would love to have her here, but that wasn't necessarily his plan, and, um, and I accept that, and I'm grateful for the years we had with her. LaFonso Ellis, Notre Dame great, joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. We're talking faith, family, and football. You're the most positive person I think I've ever met. <laughs> we need to get you out. <laughs> how, how do you keep that positive energy? Because I came to the funeral mm-hmm. to pay my respects to, yeah, to you and your family, and mm-hmm. so many did, many of your teammates mm-hmm. Uh, came as well from from far away, and you were consoling everyone in the receiving line. <laughs> right. It wasn't the other way around, <laughs> right. and I shook my head when I left. And like only Lafonso Ellis <laughs> is doing this. How do you maintain this level of positivity, Fonz? Uh, on just the grace of God, man. I, as you know, I wasn't a believer uh, growing up. Um, I don't think I'd only gone to church once. And yet, being from an all-black city that had a strong reverence for Jesus, I thought I was a believer. Um, being raised in this country, uh, known as a Christian country, I thought I was a Christian. If you would have asked me at any point in my life if I was, I would say yes as a result of that. Um, I was a, a pastor who lived across the street when I moved my mom and my brother to Edwardsville before going uh, to Notre Dame. Uh, he shared the gospel with me, and I was actually baptized, but I say all the time I didn't know what that was about and didn't have any discipleship nor pursued any discipleship after that. And so going uh, drafted in 1992 by the Denver Nuggets into the uh, NBA, and every team had a team chaplain during that time. And so thinking I was a Christian, I started going to the team chapels, uh, 41 at home and 41 on the road. Hmm. So I began to interact with the Word of God, read it, hear it uh, for the first time in my life, and uh, (laughs) learned very quickly my thoughts on Christianity and what God's (laughs) thought on Christianity are two completely different things. And so I learned very quickly that I was a sinner, that I was deserving of God's wrath and His condemnation. Uh, to be separated from him uh, in hell, which is real, for all of eternity, and understanding my desperate need for a Savior, 
and that by his grace and his mercy, he had provided that through Jesus Christ. And the Lord asks us to repent and trust. And so I repented of what I thought Christianity was and what godliness and what righteousness was and uh, cried out and asked the Lord to save me. And uh, by faith, he's done that. And uh, that began my faith journey. And so to get back to your question, Anj, is, um, and I say it often, is God owes me nothing. As a sinner, he, he owes me death, sin, the grave, and separation for all of eternity from him. And yet by his grace, he sent his son Jesus, who died for me, shed his blood for me, and has asked that I repent and place my trust in him, which I've done. And so you're talking about a guy who's who deserves nothing, and yet God has been so incredibly good, saving my soul. And if that wasn't enough, gave me a great wife, great kids, wonderful friends and family, which you're part of. And uh, I have no reason other than to be positive for what he's done. And if he had only saved my soul, that is enough and that is plenty. And yet he's added all of those positive things to my life as well. I almost don't know what to say next because what you just said there was so powerful for me that it moves me to want to be closer in my faith. And I think this is what this is what is special about you, Fonz, because I think every person you you talk to, you treat that person like they're the most important person at that moment in your life. And I just I always see it. I saw when you were doing your analyst with Jack Nolan, people coming up <laughs> yeah. to you and it didn't matter. You you talked to them. I saw it when you walked in the building here, talking to all the coworkers who wanted to say, Oh, Lafonso Ellis is here. How how important is that for you to constantly make positive connections with the people you're interacting with on a daily basis? Well, we talk about scripture and what we learn and what we learn in scripture is that everyone has been created in the image of God and is deserving of both honor and respect and dignity, I would say. And uh, knowing that I try to give everyone that I encounter that, and I do it imperfectly because I'm not Jesus, but I certainly try my best. <laughs> and, and in some sense, uh, understanding that the Holy Spirit dwells within each of us who have trusted and believed, uh, I'd like to, for everyone I encounter, to uh, get a glimpse and a sense uh, for what God has done in my life, uh, what he's done through Christ, and what he's done in and through me. Again, I do it imperfectly because I'm not Christ, but I am mindful to try to extend that to everyone I meet. If the NBA doesn't have the system where they have chaplains doing a mm-hmm. prayer service or, or, or mass or whatever it is before games, where is Lafonso Ellis right now? Lost. The same place I was before, lost. And yet, understanding, uh, Scripture teaches us that uh, it's not God's desire that anyone would be lost, but that all would repent. I'm, I'm, as I look back through my life, and I had two girls at that time who were like sisters to me, 
uh, Keisha and Katrina from my hometown who were saved when they were young. And they were like, you need to get your life right with Christ. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, but he, along the way, he, he would always at every level. So we went to grade school together, middle and high school. And then even when I went off to college, uh, I ran into a guy named Pat Magley, who, as you know, runs Heroes Camp here in town. And he tried to drop some spiritual wisdom on me at that time, but I had not been regenerated. So I didn't understand what he was saying. And uh, and even in the NBA, to your point, had they not had uh, team chaplaincy, uh, I'm sure God would have placed someone uh, in my life because I can look back and see at every stage how he did. And so he would have gotten me one way or the other. <laughs> but I but on my own, without the chaplaincy, I would have been lost. You didn't tell anyone. Well, you guys didn't publicly tell people about the passing of your daughter right mm-hmm. away. Um, you went and coached Walter, your son, in, in the basketball tournament. Mm. You guys won that. Mm. And then Walter drops the news a couple days before the funeral, almost, what, a month after she had passed yes. on, on Twitter that, hey, the funeral's coming up. This is what we were going through. What made you guys decide not to publicly say this? Anjas, you you know me better than most. I'm very friendly, but I'm very private. <laughs> well, I should say I'm very friendly while being extremely private. And so we wanted to, we made a decision initially, uh, Jennifer, my wife, and then my middle son, uh, PJ. Uh, the three of us knew, obviously, I shared with him right away. At that time, Walter had received and accepted an invitation to play for the Detroit Pistons Summer League team. So they were in Detroit in training camp. So PJ's got my daughter-in-law, my granddaughter, my daughter-in-law's family, all in Spokane, Washington. So he's got a support group. Walter didn't have one. Mm-hmm. And then my oldest son, Fonzo, had one because he's got he coaches down in Houston and in the Dallas area. So we 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 the three of our remaining kids, uh, two of them had uh, a support group. Walter wasn't. Walter didn't. And so God in his providence, Jennifer and I drove up to Detroit. We ended up getting a hotel room. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome how God works things out. Uh, Walter didn't know we were coming. And so our room happened to be at the same hotel and on the same floor as, as Walter's. I think he was in 620 and we were in 601. He's accustomed to me calling him around 630, 730 at night. So that wasn't unusual for him. But I did say, Walt, we actually uh, in your hotel on your same floor. And I'm 601. Would you mind coming over? So we shared the news with him. Uh, that would have been, let's see, he had to report to training camp somewhere around the third. So that would have been around the fourth because we wanted to let him get through two a days and get to single day practices so that we could share with him so he'd have a chance to process it with family in town. And so he took off two days later heading to Vegas to play in the summer league. And to your point, uh, on the 15th is when we started training camp for TBT and uh, wanted him to get through his process first and get home. And so it was interesting. We win the TBT, and it's hard enough for non-alumni teams to win it. And we win that one, and we're at this great level of just, wow, look at what God did. And then all of a sudden had to 180 degrees pivot to get ready uh, for the funeral. So um, Jennifer and I would have kept it private, but we said to the kids, if, if, if it helps you in your grieving process to share, then feel free to do so. And that's why Walter did that. When you guys were going through that and you and Walter are winning the basketball tournament, how does that help a little bit? Um, Distraction-wise, having that bond, I guess, with with Walter, did, did that 
Did that help in nothing's replacing, obviously, sure. but does that help a little bit in terms of maybe like, I don't know, winning for her, like just different things like that? Did that did that process help you guys in the grieving process? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and Walter did it beautifully afterwards. Uh, he just sent out a, a uh, really simple tweet, if I remember, and it was something to the effect of this was for you, Lex. And uh, so I'm sure it was cathartic in, in some ways. I, I just remember I do TBT because it's like a missions trip for me. It's the only opportunity that I have in my life to have this this time, literally at least a week and a half with with young men who some know Christ and others don't. It's a great opportunity to have it. This is the only time I have a captive audience that way to be able to love on, encourage. And then by day three, we share the gospel with the guys. And so oh, that's, that's awesome. That's really what that's about. And um, but, yeah, it was cathartic in some ways because I, 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 I was trying to carry my own grief and trying to manage our team and coach our team and trying to be a rock for my wife and <laughs> for Walter. And, uh, and, and I tell you, Andre, we got, I, I still remember the day uh, – no, three – let's see. The funeral was on Friday. We – PJ, Danielle, and Hattie returned to Spokane on Tuesday – and I remember coming home, Anj, and I sat down on the couch, and I've never felt this emotion before, but if I could describe it, it was almost like a weight that was sitting on my head that caused me to be like very sleepy and stayed with me for a long period of time. We just returned from babysitting our granddaughter uh, for 11 days in Spokane, and I said to Jennifer, and I told her about it when I started to feel it, but then um, two days before we returned home, I awakened and it was gone. Lafonza, thank you so much for for coming in and and sharing your story. I think uh, I, it's got to be difficult for you to to do these type of interviews at this point. I would imagine, but I think you're helping other people. Oh, you, you're kind, Ange. I'm, I'm grateful that you had me, and I'm glad uh, that we get to do it together. And I'm grateful to do it with a dear friend. And the final thing I have to say, Ange, is that in what we do for work, uh, a good analyst never leaves the viewing audience with a question mark. And I know many may be wondering if she took her own life, and the answer to that is no. And we praise God for that also. We will continue to pray for all of you. Thank you, Fonz. Thank you, brother. When I saw him coming out of the wake— before Alexis's funeral, I told you I've never met a man with a stronger faith. And I know when you came upstairs to the office after doing this interview, you were shooketh. I I was, and you heard during the interview, there are points where I literally say, I don't know what to say next mm -hmm. because I was physically removed from the conversation as someone doing an interview as a professional sportscaster. I was having a conversation with a friend, and it was that impactful, that powerful, that I think Lafonso is going to do. He has done so many positive things for people, but I think this interview, for those that will hear it, who are grieving, who have grieved uh, the loss of, of maybe children or anyone in their life, I think this is a, a really positive message uh, about the greater scheme of what life is and, and and God's role in our lives. And I think I, certainly I can't express it now the way Lafonso did over the last 20 minutes. I, I can't thank him enough for sharing his story. And I think we're both getting choked up just thinking about it. Yeah. And, and all his family has gone through and will continue to pray for the Ellis family.
He is one of the most positive people you'll ever meet. Coming up, it's another primetime matchup against the top 25 opponent. As Notre Dame prepares to go on the road to face undefeated Louisville, we preview the battle with the Cardinals next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Medicare benefits can be confusing, but they don't have to be. I'm Tony Letcher, licensed insurance agent. Imagine being able to explore all your options. I work with many of the top nationally recognized carriers, and when we shop multiple carriers, you could save the right coverage at the right price. I don't want you to be my client today. I want you to be my client forever. Call Tony Ledger today to schedule your free consultation or visit tledger.com. There's nothing quite like that first taste after the grill master has patiently smoked meat for just the right flavor. That meat will elevate the spread at any tailgate party, fall get-together, birthday, holiday event, wedding, company outing, and more. When you want that meal, contact Cotton Gin Catering. They offer real Texas-style barbecue catering. In fact, they're Michiana's best barbecue catering company. Get all the details at cottongincatering.com. So it's Notre Dame and Louisville coming up Saturday down in the Commonwealth. The Cardinals are coached by former Purdue coach Jeff Grom. It's his first season in Louisville. He is a former Cardinal quarterback in the early 90s. Of course, in his six years at Purdue, 9-4 and four in 2021, 8-5 and five in 2022, really built up that program. And Ange really made his bones. He's making his money at Louisville because he can knock off top-flight teams. Ohio State paid the price under Brom. Yeah, he really did that over the years, and he's not afraid to have the trick play. So that is something for Notre Dame to be aware of. He will he will bring out every uh, trick in the book uh, to have his team ready to go against Notre Dame to try to get a win over a top ten team. This is only the fourth all time meeting between Notre Dame and Louisville. The Irish lead it two to one. Louisville beat Georgia Tech thirty nine thirty four. Murray State fifty six nothing. Indiana twenty one fourteen. BC fifty six twenty eight. NC State Friday night they defeated them thirteen to. 10 so a lot of close games they can win the close game but I think people are looking at some of these scores and going close against Indiana close against NC State close against Georgia Tech the Irish should win this one but it's a battle-tested team that's that's done very well from themselves in those close games and they've got some personnel that concerns head coach Marcus Freeman it doesn't take long to watch film to see why they're five and oh you know, it's another night game and it'll be a great atmosphere and a great opportunity. They got an explosive offense, you know, an experienced quarterback. They have speed at the skill. And then defensively, I think they're really sound. You know, they have a an edge rush, I think, number nine, that, that is going to be one of the most elite pass rushes we see. And they got two corners that are physical and aggressive. So they'll present a challenge for our program. And we got to have a great week of preparation and uh, get ready to play for Saturday night. So number nine that Marcus Freeman just referenced, Ashton Gelati, 6'3", 270 pounds. He's already got five sacks this season. Part of a defense that, 
you know, we lauded Al Golden for his red zone defense. Well, Louisville doesn't let anybody in the red zone. They've only allowed teams to reach the red zone 11 times in five games. And of those 11 trips, six touchdowns, no field goals. So uh, really good job there. Other guys on defense to worry about. T.J. Quinn, their linebacker, 33 tackles. And then also the defensive backs that Marcus Freeman also re- referenced, Cameron Kelly and Devin Neal, have uh, each picked off some passes this year. But their bread and butter and Jeff Brom's bread and butter is the offense and they're fourth in the country in rushing yards led by Jawar Jordan 66 rushes 510 yards six touchdowns uh averages over 100 yards per game he's been an excellent running back for him. the weird thing about this game will be the quarterback <laughs> you'll hear the name Jack Plummer where have I heard that name before well you've heard it at different schools He was the starting quarterback for Purdue in 2021 when they played the Irish. He was the starting quarterback for California last year when they played the Irish. And now he will make his third different start against the Irish in his third different uniform, albeit this will be the first time that he's been at home playing against Notre Dame. Now, Mr. Plummer, he has unclogged the passing game. 1,406 yards so far throwing the football this year for Louisville. That's 281 yards per game, a little bit of feast or famine, 11 touchdowns, six interceptions. Marcus Freeman says, oh, he's making decisions so quickly. You see that progress in him. Well, sometimes he's making bad decisions if he's thrown six picks. I think that's something you want to hone in on, right? You want to get your Benjamin Morrisons of the world and your Cam Hearts to be all over that and maybe get an interception here at some point in this game. Well, and Freeman alluded to this in the press conference. Al Golden has been so good at disguising coverages and disguising pressures this year. They are going to attempt to confuse Jack Plummer. It may not be easy to do, but you know what? They confused Riley Leonard with some of the things they did defensively. I think they can confuse Plummer, too. Notre Dame's defense giving up just 12.8 points per game this year. ND favored by 6.5. Our other poll question was, what happened Saturday? 75% of the 228 votes says Notre Dame wins by 7 or more. And then 16% says Notre Dame wins by 6 or less. So 91% of those voting say Notre Dame wins on the road at a top 25 opponent. Blake said Louisville hasn't played anyone tough other than NC State, who is mediocre at best. Two really tough opponents the past two weeks for ND. ND by 16 and a half. I actually think two really tough opponents for ND the last two weeks is a negative for the Irish. Not a positive because now you're getting worn down. Yes, they're battle-tested, but Louisville probably has the fresher team. I shouldn't even say probably. Louisville has the fresher team. They play one last game, and they have not been tested anywhere near to the level Notre Dame has over the last several weeks. So I think that's an advantage for Louisville. That doesn't mean I'm picking Louisville to win this game, but um, I'm going to go Notre Dame 27, Louisville 17, but I think it's going to be – were you going to go to the same score? Close, but that's okay. Go ahead. I was going to say I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be one of those situations that's going to be similar to this game where it's going to be close, and then Notre Dame gets that late field goal or late touchdown to go up by 10 points. I don't think it's going to be, hey, they're up by 17 the entire game. I think it's going to be a one-score game a lot of the way, and then Notre Dame puts it away late. I tend to agree with just about everything you said there. Uh, Louisville's also had an extra day to prepare. They were at North Carolina State on Friday. Not that that extra day is going to matter all that much. Well, Notre Dame got back at 3 in the morning, though. That, that, that Right, so that it's almost an extra day and a half to prepare. But I think in the end, 
I have a lot of confidence in Al Golden's defense. I think that deep defensive line rotation that the Irish have used might have to be employed here once again in order to stop this Louisville running game. Cardinals are going to get some yards on the ground. I think Plummer, though, makes a key bad decision somewhere along the way that helps Notre Dame out. You went 27-17. I'm going to go 31-21 and just elevate the stakes a, a little bit higher in the scoring column. So that's going to do it for this edition of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. Don't forget to join us Friday at 6 p.m. here on Pulse FM for the Tyrac Drive to the Game as we break down all things Michiana high school football. And our TV 46 Game of the Week Friday night, Edwardsburg at Niles. You can see it Friday night at 11 or Saturday morning at 9 on TV 46. For Anch, it's Chuck. Notre Dame and Louisville in a top 25 showdown Saturday night at 7.30 in the Commonwealth. Watch it on ABC. And, of course, we'll be back with you Monday night at 7 here on Pulse to recap it all and look ahead to USC. Thanks for joining us on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. You've been listening to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Also powered by St. Vincent DePaul Society, Health Markets Tony Letcher, Reliance, Cotton Gin Barbecue Supply Company, and Tire Rack. Executive produced by Corey Mann. Engineered by Thad Hunsberger. Your hosts are Chuck Freebie and Angelo DiCarlo. Also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.